So my name is Alice. I teach clarinet here at USD. And most of the, I'm on stage a lot. I've been on stage a lot. I don't talk on stage a lot. I usually I'm playing music on stage a lot, a lot. So um, to take the edge off my anxiety about talking about myself, I'm sharing. I'm going to share a quote. Um, that kind of frames the theme of what I want to try to say today. Um, We are not what we do. We are not what we have. We are not what others think of us. Coming home is claiming the truth. I am the beloved child of a loving creator. And that's from uh, uh, the person who said that was Henri Nguyen. So... And I also have another quote. Christmas is coming. (laughs) Each man's life touches so many other lives. When he isn't around, he lives an awful hole, doesn't he? And the person who said that was Clarence Oddbody, (laughs) an angel in the guise of Frank Capra. (laughs) So, um, my calling... I used to think was to play clarinet in an orchestra. I worked really, 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 really hard toward that end for a really long time, from the age of about 12 to the age of, let's say, um... Maybe like last year, (laughs) before I sort of said, that's probably not what is going to happen full time for me. Um, So there's no doubt that I'm called to music. Um, I first started having seizures when I was 12 years old. I was not diagnosed with epilepsy until I was 18 years old. Um, When I was first diagnosed with epilepsy, I did not understand that it was a serious thing. Um, I figured I'd take these pills, it would get better. That's what my doctor said was going to happen. And that is not what happened. Um, uh, When I realized that was not what was going to happen, I tried to hide as best as I could that I had epilepsy. Some of my teachers made it very clear that, you know, having a seizure on stage in an orchestra would be a very, very bad thing. And, like, it would not be something that you could do. You cannot have a career as an orchestral musician or as any kind of professional musician. And, like, actually, you, it's not going to work out. So I would, um, any time that... Um, if someone found out that I had seizures, I would downplay the fact that I was a, a musician. Or if I was a musician, I would never tell someone that I had seizures. You know, those were two worlds that could not mix. I, you know, I wouldn't wear. I would take off my like a medical ID band at school so that no one who knew that I was a really good musician like would find out that I had seizures. So, you know, as thing, my epilepsy was never 
got controlled and things you know, never got controlled. I just got out of the hospital last week for a bunch of seizures, you know, and my medication got upped and, you know, things are not under control. I've never been able to drive really. I drove for like, you know, I learned how to drive and then they took my license away. Um, It's just never, but I always thought maybe just the next medicine's gonna work you know, the next thing might work. And so if I practice really hard, then I'll be ready for when, when it all falls into place. And then I'll, then I'll just be able to go and do my audition tour and, and make it. Because this is, God wouldn't give me all this talent and then, like, not let me use it, right? Like, this is what, he wouldn't give me this desire to play in an orchestra and then never let me use it, right? But there was kind of like this one moment that made me realize that it was this kind of like shutting down that was like, made me realize that this was not going to happen. <laughs> like, it kind of crushed me. The moment that really emotionally crushed me and demoralized me for like 15 years. And it was while I was an undergraduate at Juilliard. And we were rehearsing Tchaikovsky Symphony Number no. 5, and I had just gotten out of the hospital for a seizure cluster the night before in the middle of the night. I didn't have time to call for a substitute, so I showed up for rehearsal. I thought I had no choice. I had three unexcused absences, and the way they run things at Juilliard, if you have three unexcused absences, you fail orchestra, and then you couldn't get kicked, you just get kicked out of the school. So I showed up for rehearsal with a lot of Ativan in my system because that's what they used to stop your seizures. Um, and then, so I come in, like, uh, just playing complete nonsense at fortis- fortissimo, like, all wrong notes in the completely wrong spot because I turned the page too early because I was, like, really confused. And I was so out of it. So then, Maestro Otto Werner Mueller stopped the rehearsal he reached you know he was he was a serious guy <laughs> that guy was scary so and he reached in his back pocket and he and we were just it was it was this quiet <laughs> that's how quiet it was in there he reached in his back pocket and he took out a bill and this guy was, he was tall and skinny and had the conductor hair. And he was like seven foot five. He was scary. And he said, who is the clarinetist who thinks they will be getting paid someday for playing like that? And I was, I was dumb. I held up my hand. Of course, it was a rhetorical question. It was a rhetorical question. I was just so embarrassed. I had, I mean, I had lost at this point. I felt like I had lost everything. (laughs) I felt so guilty for ruining a beautiful piece of music, Tchaikovsky 5. I, I kind of felt now like I didn't belong. I didn't deserve to exist at all. I felt like, you know, like I should be like sinking into the floor, like the cartoons. I, you know, I felt like I should have been able to rise above all of the, all of my problems, you know, like 
I felt like, you know, you read the news and you're like, this, you know, people are starving in Africa. People like are doing, you know, all, people have much big pro- more problems than seizures, you know. And like, I felt like I should have been able to rise above my problems and work through this. And, you know, and I hadn't. Like, and I was failing. And then later that day, all my guilt and fears precipitated from, uh, you know, the ether of my worst nightmares precipitated into reality. And I was given one year mandatory retroactive medical leave. That's what they called it. Um, Effective immediately. I was basically kicked out for a year and I was asked to leave the school for a year because I wasn't performing up to the standards. And then I had one year to get better. I didn't get better, but I came back anyways and finished my degree. But what really happened was a legal debacle. (laughs) Um, Now I know this. (laughs) So they had to, when I was going there, the reason why they had such a hard time with me is that there was no... Office of Disabled Student Services at the Juilliard School when I was going there. There was no academic support. There was nothing for, there was no support for me there. There was nothing. I was just like walking around having a seizure. No help for me. They just called 911, sent me to the hospital. I came back, there was no support, nothing. There was no support for disabled students or students with chronic illnesses or students with mental illnesses. They just sent them home. Sorry, we can't deal with you. And so by the time, in the years after my graduation, now there is an actual Office of Academic Support Services because of me. <laughs> so, um, I'm not saying I'm like, that was really hard to be the one, the pioneer who like made that, had that change happen. It didn't happen for me, but you know, you know, my life went on. I, I got a master's. Now, you know, I've not met like the, the arbitrary goals I set myself for myself when I was 12 years old. This has gone way over seven minutes, I think, but I knew it would because <laughs> I'm so long-winded. My sisters tease me about that. They're like, it's never going to be seven minutes of you get talking. But, you know, I think that um, as far as calling, sometimes we're called to do, th- we don't even know the things that we're called to do. We're called to just be ourselves. And, you know, you never know, wh- like, what you are called to do. Things you don't even, you have absolutely no idea what you're called to do. And, who you're, whose lives you're touched and what you're called to be. I think, you know, I tell people, yeah, my calling is to be a musician. But, it, you know, in truth, we're called to be, like, I'm called to be so much more than that, you know? So I'm like, you know, sometimes I'm called to, you know, be a patient in a hospital and, you know, that's all I can do. <laughs> it's like a lot. And, so I think I have grown to see in the past 10 years uh, the idea of calling much broader and I'm very thankful for that. Mm-hmm.